Welcome into the Clap Trap. Brought to you by Ultrasound Productions. Now also playing on 90.7 WKKL. Sherman. 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 <laughs> I'll get it right. I'll get it right. Get it right. Well, we'll have to. No, it's all right. It's one of those black names. I'll help you with that. <laughs> Stacy told me you was exactly, an expert. Exactly. <laughs> See, you know, he goes right by the book here. The new coach of the Patriots certainly has some jokes, and he knows how to run a room, but can he run a football team? That's what we're going to find out about Gerard Mayo. Welcome into another episode of The Clap Trap. We are going to talk about the Patriots to start everything off, but we've also got some Celtics topics and Bruins topics to get into for today's show, and uh, we are back once again. Uh, this time, I'm, I'm without the baby or the wife. Uh, do it on my own this one as I try to stay up to date as much as I can on everything going on in the sports world. But if you've been listening to the last couple of episodes, yes, I did have a child. I'm going to keep pounding it into everyone's heads who has been listening. And uh, it's been tough. It's been a tough road. Uh, but, you know, that's that's to be expected as a, a brand new parent for a first child and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, I don't want to want to spend too much time on that. We'll get into more of the sports topics today. But I will just say uh, for any of the 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 parents out there listening, former parents, current parents, whatever. I don't know why I said former. Anyways, the one thing that I've been realizing or or been uh, you know I guess I don't know if I should say upset with myself about or down about the way that I've been handling it is not not anything to do with the child, but I feel like my my relationship with my dogs have been suffering. Anyone else out there as parents? Uh, first-time parents, when you you bring that child into the home, all of your focus is obviously on the brand new baby, right? That's that's everything for for the parents. They want to know that they're healthy, safe, happy, everything that they can do to make the child uh, feel comfortable and progress and learn and all of this kind of stuff. But I've got two pretty decent-sized dogs uh, that I love very much. And I just feel like I've been letting them down lately. It's, it's, you know, I'm not trying to make a downer topic right now, but it's just, it's been something that has kind of been put to the back burner, which, uh, you know, obviously still taking care of them very much, but the amount of, uh, you know, attention that they're getting is, is, has suffered for sure. And, you know, it's, it's that time of year. It's the, the winter months, you know, the weather is crap. The it's 20 degrees outside right now or, or less than, uh, snow on the ground. So, you know, bringing them for a walk or, or getting to play outside or any of that kind of stuff is, is tough this time of year anyways, whether I have the baby or not. But it's just something that I've been kind of, you know, wanting to focus on more. And I'm sure a lot of people out there are being like, Zach, why don't you just focus a little bit more on the dogs then? And I, I'm sure I will now that I'm calling myself out. But it's just one of those things that I've noticed along the way. And it shouldn't be a shock to anyone that once you have a baby, you, you know, your focus is on that baby and that's that's <laughs> takes up 99% of your mental capacity at that point. So, I don't know. That's just my my one little thought about the the new child for this episode. We will get into sports topics now the rest of the way, but that's just where I've been at and uh as we start off there, the the Patriots have been at a spot where they're introducing their new head coach and Gerard Mayo. Uh they are moving they have moved on from Bill Belichick. You know, sad times, I think. Um, obviously, anyone who, 
you, you know, has been a, a Patriots fan for a, a good amount of time. Uh, I myself, more in the, the 90s is when I started becoming a Patriots fan. I'm, I'm one of the younger side of, of Patriots Nation and everything. So, yes, a little bit spoiled with the way I was able to grow up with all of the championships and, and the winning, the consistency and all of that. And I'm not one of these guys that can go back and remember the the horrible days uh, that were in the 90s, the early, very early 90s and the 80s and, and before then, when this team was not able to do anything, when it had some of its worst records in, in franchise history. But now we've we've gotten back to a point we've circled back as every team normally does, and we, it was an unprecedented run. You you can't expect anything like that from your your sports team of any uh, any type of sport. So we're at a point now where everything has to get restarted, and that includes the coach who got rid of Bill Belichick, as I said, and he's now looking for other opportunities elsewhere. You got Gerard Mayo who was next in line. We knew about that basically as of last year, if everyone was paying attention. Robert Kraft came out and basically said he's going to be our guy, right? We've kept him under contract so that he can stay away from other head coaching roles, and we can bring him in as our guy. So now we've got Gerard Mayo here, uh, and he's making jokes. He seems like he's got uh, a good attitude when it comes to he's going to be a good players coach type of guy, and uh, he's going to bring in a new style in some senses, but be able to sprinkle in some of the old style as well, especially from the defensive side of things. He was a part of that defense. Uh, he, he's been under Bill Belichick for his entire career, and so he, you know, is going to bring that obviously to the table. But he's gonna he's gonna bring in his new style as well, and part of that is going to be bringing in his own coaching staff. We have now found out that uh, Bill O'Brien is going to be the offensive coordinator for Ohio State next year, the college football team. So he'll be going back to the college rankings, and uh, Gerard Mayo will be bringing in a new offensive coordinator. We've got new developments coming in with the ownership side of things. It looks as though Jonathan Kraft is going to be stepping into a much larger role now that Bill Belichick is gone. And he's going to be bringing in, uh, or, or we're going to be other having other people step into bigger roles as well with Bill Belichick not running the whole football operations side of things. So, so it's going to be an interesting time for the Patriots. It's going to be interesting. I, I, I don't know how it's going to go. We might be in store for some, some down years, but now everyone has to understand that that's where we're at, right? We're in full rebuild mode. Bill Belichick is no longer here. We're not doing that anymore. Uh, so we got to restart everything. And it seems like also Robert Kraft is ready to take a little bit of a step back and let his son take over. So it is a new year, a new uh, new experience for the Patriots, and we're going to see how things go, which includes, like I said, bringing in new people to run the show, like Robin Glazer, who I am finding out is now going to be stepping into a much larger role as well, alongside Jonathan Kraft, and that's what I want to talk about to start off the show. So we're going to take a quick break, but then when we come back, we're going to talk about Robin Glazer, Jonathan Kraft, and the Patriots here on 90.7 WKKL. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. Okay, so we've got all of the news about Gerard Mayo as the new head coach for the New England Patriots. 
We've got the the new articles coming out and, and responses and everything going around the team saying that Jonathan Kraft is going to be stepping into a much larger role with this team. As you can see clearly that the, the ownership is going to be passed on from Robert down to Jonathan, which is no surprise to anyone at all. Uh, but we are starting to hear, I guess, a little bit more about what Jonathan is going to do, how he's going to be as an owner going forward, and who he's going to be working alongside with. And one of those names that he's going to be working with is Robin Glazer. Now, this is someone who has been with the organization since 2007, I believe. She has worked in advisory roles. Uh, she has worked alongside of Robert Kraft. She's helped out with uh, you know, she was big help during the COVID stages of things and, and making sure that the team was compliant with everything along those lines. Uh, I believe she was a big part of the deflate gate situation. She was kind of, it's been seen or I've seen that she was basically the point person in dealing with the NFL during the deflate gate situation. So she has not only been around the team, but she has been involved with some major parts of the team's history over the last, you know, 15 years or so. So Robin Glazer is going to be stepping into a brand new role for her, uh, which is going to be the executive vice president of football business and senior advisor to the head coach. Now, from everything that I'm seeing reported, this kind of means that she is going to be helping him, Gerard Mayo, that is, with the business side of things. I don't believe that she's going to be making any type of personnel decisions for the football team. That's my understanding of it. This is more business side contracts, helping out with contract negotiations uh, and, and things along those lines. So it, it seems like that's going to be the case for Robin Glazer, but that is going to be one of the newer faces that you're going to hear a lot about going forward with this team. Alongside, obviously, Jonathan Kraft, which is not a new face or a new name. We've known about him for a while and the fact that he was most likely going to take over as the owner going forward. But it seems like he's going to be really stepping in now that that uh, Bill Belichick is gone. And I do wonder a little bit if, uh, you know, what the relationship was like between Jonathan Kraft and Belichick on the way out the door. Not, not that that really matters at all, but I do wonder how much... Jonathan Graff was, you know, itching to be the one to make a lot of the decisions or to get in there and, and kind of put his input into things. And while he had Bill Belichick around, he couldn't do that, right? He couldn't he couldn't be that guy because it was Robert and it was Bill and they were making the calls, mostly Bill, supposedly. If if you ask Robert, that is, Robert Kraft, he would say that Bill is making all the decisions. And now I think, uh, you know, Jonathan is, is ready and wanting to step into that role and, and Robert's ready to give him that role as, as the de facto owner, basically. Making a lot of the calls, obviously, obviously it's still Robert Kraft's team, but Jonathan Kraft is going to be making a lot of the calls going forward and a lot of the larger decisions will be based off of what he wants. Now, I am starting to hear that he... Uh, might be the type of owner or might want to be the type of owner that is going to be very involved, like I said. Now, when I say very involved, I mean I'm hearing he wants to be like Jerry Jones' level of involvement with this organization. Really got his hands fully involved in what is happening, decision-making, all that kind of stuff. And I'm worried about it. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I mean, it obviously, you know, 
he is a, a, a football mind. He's been around the team and the game for a long time now. If not, obviously, his entire life, he's been around some form of football uh, or, or with, uh, you know, his father being so involved with the team back in the 90s, since the 90s and everything. It's been a long time that he's been around the team and what makes a winning football franchise and all of that. But I'm worried because, to me, every owner in the NFL that you can actually think of by name, that you know them and you know uh, you know of them and, and running a certain franchise or something, I, I, I mean, 90% of the time, in my opinion, that is a bad thing. When you know who the owner is, it turns out to be a very bad thing. Now, Robert Kraft, we love him as New England Patriots fans, but he's had his own troubles and and interesting situations uh, down in Florida and, and whatnot. We won't get too much back into that whole thing. But for the most part, I would say that Robert Kraft has been a good thing for the Patriots, a good thing for the NFL. He's stepped up in a lot of situations. He's run a lot of great uh, you know, organizations and and uh, you know, he was standing up for the players and and all of this stuff. He's a great owner from that side of things. But he also was doing some kind of shady stuff behind the scenes. And I'm still not convinced that he was really giving full uh, reins to Bill Belichick to spend whatever you want, spend whatever you money you want. I think that he's still a little shady with that kind of stuff, but that's that's a whole nother story. Now, all of the other owners that at least I can think of, and I think the casual fan can think of by name, it's usually a bad sign, right? If you know them, if the casual fan knows the owner, it's usually for a bad reason. Jerry Jones was one that I just mentioned. And all the time we talk about how the Dallas Cowboys are a circus. They're more about uh, you know being in the tabloids and and being on the front page than it is seemingly about winning a, a championship. And you can say that's because of ineptitude and not being able to understand how to run a football f- franchise, not bringing in the right people, or it's because that's what they actually want. Whatever you want to say, Jerry Jones, I wouldn't say is a great owner. He's got the 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 best uh, franchise from a money standpoint, sure, they make the most money, but from running a football team and trying to get a championship, not good, right? They haven't been relevant since the 90s. So, you know, that's that's basically uh, Jerry Jones's career at this point is, yeah, you were good in the beginning, but what have you done for me lately? You haven't done anything in, what, 20-something years. So, uh, you know, not good to know Jerry Jones. Another one, Jim Ursay from the Colts. We all know him. He has been in many bad situations, messed around with, uh, you know, drugs and alcohol and, and, and been arrested and all this kind of stuff. He has been very bad for not only the league, but for the Colts overall, I would say. So he's another one. Mark Davis from the Raiders, given his team by Al Davis, uh, his, his father, and he has now run that franchise into what? Mediocrity at best? Some years they've had some okay teams, but overall they have been terrible, and he's just a goofball anyways, so he's another one. And then... You know, he this one, the last one that I'll mention was was gotten rid of finally, thankfully. Uh, but Daniel Snyder, that the guy who was owning the Washington Commanders, was a complete scumbag. So all these owners that the the people know about don't turn out to be good for the football team. And I'm just questioning 
I know you're putting his name in there, Zach, with a lot of really bad owners there, but I'm just questioning if if Jonathan Kraft, if these reports are serious, that he wants to be fully involved with everything and his hands on every decision that's going on with the football team, is that going to be what's best for the team? Is him being known for tinkering going to be good for the franchise? I don't think so, so I'm worried about it, and I, I don't know how this is going to go, but... For initial thoughts when it comes to Jonathan Kraft taking on a bigger role and reports that he is going to be very heavily involved with everything going on with the team, initial thoughts by me, I think it's going to be a bad thing. I think it's going to be a bad thing. All right, we're going to move on topics next, but we got to take a break real quick. So keep it right here on 90.7 WKKL for more of The Claptrap after this. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. Okay, we started off the show talking all about the Patriots, obviously moving on from Bill Belichick and going on to Gerard Mayo. We talked about the ownership group and how it seems like it's going to be more Jonathan Kraft than Robert Kraft. It seems like a complete switch for the team going into the 2024 season, and we're going to see how that goes. Obviously, they have the number three overall pick in the draft. We'll see where Gerard goes with the pick. He has already said that he wants to go with the best player at the best, at the most important position. We can assume that that means quarterback. So most likely, the Patriots will be trying to take a quarterback at the number three pick in the draft. But we'll find out what happens with that, and we'll be able to talk a lot about that as we get closer and closer to the draft. But the other thing that needs to happen right now for this Patriots team is they need to figure out their coaching situation, right? Not only Gerard Mayo, but you need to bring in guys around Gerard that are going to help him run this team. And he is a defensive mind. We know that. He's a middle linebacker. He is literally a defensive player, and so he is going to be heavily involved with the defense. But I'm interested to see who is going to be taken on as the offensive coordinator now that the reports have come out that Bill O'Brien is going to be moving on and going to Alabama for next season. Uh, oh, no, sorry, not Alabama. O Ohio State next season. He is going to be going back to the college ranks. So that leaves an opening for the Patriots in the offensive coordinator position. So I've, I've kind of looked over some of the names that are being mentioned as, as potential candidates, and I wanted to bring up a few, talk about a couple of them, and see what people think about that. I'm wondering what, what you guys think, who should be the next offensive coordinator for this Patriots team, if you've cared about it, do you care about it at all? Uh, here are some names that I've been looking into. Now, the obvious, most obvious one that I think people will know and people will want to come back, I, I would think a lot of people would want him to come back as an offensive coordinator, is ex-Raiders coach Josh McDaniels. Now, he obviously did not do good with the with the Raiders, but we know that he can't be a head coach. We, we all know that now. Multiple times over, he has gone out, tried to become a head coach, and now he cannot do it. But... We also know that his offensive mindset and his offensive abilities are great. We've seen it before. Uh, I think that we would see it again if we were able to get him uh, as the offensive coordinator. But I don't think that that's going to be the one that is going to have uh, that the Patriots are going to go after. Yes, he's great at developing quarterbacks, and he could be the you know de facto head coach in a sense, helping out Mayo with his overall coaching decisions. He's been there at least, but I wouldn't want that. I, I do like his de development of quarterbacks. I think he's been pretty good at that overall. 
So I would be interested to see what he could do, uh, bringing in a rookie quarterback and and developing him into something. But I just don't think they're going to go that way. That just seems like the obvious choice that is never going to happen kind of thing. You know what the Patriots, and who knows? We're in a new era of the Patriots, but for the most part, when you think the Patriots are going to do something, that's when they swerve and they do something else. So the next person that I've seen mentioned multiple times uh, that could be available and could be a good option for the Patriots would be now ex-Falcons coach Arthur Smith. Now, he was not good, again, as a an, a coach in the NFL, but as an offensive coordinator, he was great with the Titans. If you look back to the 2019-2020 seasons, he was a top 10 scoring offensive offensive coach and he had Ryan Tannehill as his quarterback. So, I mean, if you could have a Ryan Tannehill-led offense be a top 10 offense in the NFL, I think that you can do some good things. Obviously, he had some weapons as well, and they would have to bring in weapons for him. But he is another one to keep on in mind, Arthur Smith from the Falcons, previously from the Falcons, bringing him in to be that offensive coordinator and, and try and spark something on that side. Next guy I'm going to go with here on the list is the Chargers offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, who I think has been getting a bad rap uh, because of how badly that the team was doing last year. And I think a lot of that has to do with injuries. You had Austin Eckler having a down year and injured for portions of the year. You lost Mike Williams for the majority of the year. You lost Justin Herbert later on in the year. That team was full of injuries on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Joshua Palmer, another one that I can think of that was injured for a good portion of it. So, that team, I think, should have been a lot better, and I think that you know Kellen Moore has been a hot offensive coordinating candidate for a lot of people, a lot of teams, and I think that he could be that again. So I I think that's another name that you know if he goes away from the Chargers, he could be someone that maybe the Patriots go after as bringing him in because I think that he has still got uh, the ability to, you know, make something happen with an offense in this NFL. He just had some bad luck last year. Now, the last one that I'm going to talk about here is one that's a little bit more under the radar, I would think, more of like a dark horse overall, but it's Ravens quarterback coach T. Martin. Now, he's end ending the his first season with the Ravens. Obviously, they're still in the playoffs right now, but it, it, it should be noted that he has Lamar Jackson back to an MVP candidate uh, season this year at this point. He, he's he been in the league. Martin has T. Martin for about two decades. So he's got that experience in the passing game. He's been a quarterback's coach, a, a passing game coordinator, uh, all a wide receivers coach. He's been all of those kind of things at the pro and college level. So this is a guy that could come in, be a new, fresh voice with a new position where he would have tons of motivation to be good and he would be able to bring your offense into a new area. So I think he's another one that could be a great fit for this team, depending specifically on who we end up going with that quarterback. If we end up with that Jaden Daniels kid who we know can run a little bit more and could do the run and pass thing, kind of like a Lamar Jackson. Obviously, I'm not comparing him to him, but they're, they're similar play styles at least. That could be a good spot for a T. Martin to come in, develop a new co a quarterback, and get that offensive coordinator role and start building his resume. He would obviously be wanting to you know, put his best effort forward. That would be another one there. So we got all those candidates. We'll see what will happen with them. 
you know, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see where uh, Bill Belichick lands uh, in his coaching position and what that will move out. Obviously, like I said, Arthur Smith is one of the ones that I was thinking could come back and be a, a an offensive coordinator because he was let go as the Falcons coach, and now it seems like Bill Belichick is trying to move his way into that position. So uh, that that'll be a weird one too. Bill Belichick coaching the 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 Atlanta Falcons uh, next season. I I. I I don't want to see it, but that's uh, probably what's going to end up happening. But uh, those are the uh, the offensive coordinators I think that could be in line for a possible shot at the Patriots position. There could be some other ones as well, but those are the ones I'm thinking. So uh, we'll see how things go. We'll talk more about the draft. We'll talk more about the coaching decisions as things happen in the offseason going forward. But now it's time to take another break, and then we're going to switch up topics to another sport when we come back. So keep it right here on 90.7 WKKL for more of The Claptrap after this. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. I'm seeing them play with an edge now. They believe that they can win it all. Like, they thought they can win it all. They really believe they can win it all because when they have a player out, say Porzingis is not playing or Tatum's not playing, they still feel like they can win the game. Usually when the star players sit out, you kind of see the team kind of like have a drop-off. I'm not really seeing a lot of drop-off when somebody sit out. They lost some tough games when they had some people sit that they probably should have won based on some calls or one player or another, but they believe they can beat anybody no matter who they put out there. And that's what I'm seeing is the difference. Hey, I don't think he's wrong on that one. That was Paul Pierce. He was talking on the podcast that he does with Kevin Garnett about the Celtics and how he feels about their chances going into this season or going forward with this season. And I mean, how can you how can you disagree with what he's saying? It's, you know, the best team in the league playing at an elite level. They don't lose at home. We got to still work on the road games, but this Celtics squad is elite. I mean, once again, we're going into another year where it's championship or bust, basically. that's I mean, at this point, when you've brought together this amount of players with this amount of talent and they are working as a cohesive unit like they are, you have to expect them to get to at least the finals, if not be a heavy contender or, or be a heavy favorite, I would say, to win the whole thing. That's just how it is. No other team is built like them. Right now, I don't care if the Pacers go out there and get uh, Pascal Siakam. I, I don't care what uh, these other squads are doing, how the, the Bucks beat up on them in that second game of a back-to-back. -back. None of that really matters until we get to the, the playoffs. And if they're able to have a home court advantage, they're proving right now that, I mean, who's going to stop them? Who's going to stop them in a seven-game series if they don't lose at home? You know what I mean? And, and they are going to figure it out on the road. They're not completely defeated on the road. So this team is going to be able to handle their business wherever they go. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about it once again. I, I think that they're going to be in the finals once again this year. And so, you, you know, I'm, ex I'm expecting that at this point. I'm expecting that. I think a lot of Celtics fans are expecting them to be in the finals because as Paul Pierce said, it doesn't matter who's out on the court. They're winning all the time, uh, you know, other than on the road a little bit, but, and like I said, it's it's really going to come down to, and again, I'm not saying anything that no one doesn't already think all the time when they're watching this Celtics team, but it's going to come down to who's going to be available when it matters in the playoffs. Are they going to have the unicorn, you, Christoph Porzingis out there able to do all the things that he's able to do during the regular season, during a whole playoff run? We're going to find out. If not, I still think that this team is good enough to make a finals run without Porzingis, but 
it's going to be a heck of a lot harder to win the whole thing, obviously. So we'll find out where they can be. But really, the reason that I wanted to talk about this Celtics team, we're not talking about anything new when we talk about them beating up on a team like the San Antonio Spurs or uh, how good they are at home or anything like that. Everybody knows how it is, and everybody's just going to be basically waiting around now for the playoffs to see if this team can actually, you know, Come, come to a point where they, they live up to expectations, I guess. That's where we're at with this Celtics team. Kind of like how we were with the Patriots when they had Tom Brady. It was, we'll see them in the playoffs, and we'll see what they can do once they get into the playoffs. The regular season doesn't really matter. We're going to coast through it, and then once the playoffs come, we all know that now. But the reason why I wanted to talk about the Celtics or uh, basketball in general was from that game that they played against the Spurs the other night. Now, it was a blowout victory, and it was to be expected with a Spurs team that is extremely young and uh, you know not good at this point. But they do have that one guy. They have that one guy that is very interesting, and I thought it was so fun to watch him play once again compared to especially what we saw earlier in the year with this kid. And I'm talking about that freak of an athlete, Victor Wembanyama. I mean, this kid is is crazy. Not only does he look crazy, but he plays crazy. The, the abilities that he shows, being able to shoot threes, being able to dribble the way that he does, dunking, blocking, everything that he can do, it's crazy to see. And the, the thing that I want the most at this point even though he's not on the Celtics and he's going to be uh, you know, a possible thorn on the side somewhere down the line if he continues to progress and get better, the thing I want in the NBA nowadays is I want to see these freak athletes, these, these complete uh, you know, anomalies, be able to stay healthy and have a long career in the NBA. I want to see what a Victor Wembanyama looks like when, he, when he's in his 10th year in the NBA, 11th, 12th. 13th season in the NBA, what he's going to be able to look like as a veteran down the road, because we know that every player, all of the greats take at least seven or eight seasons before they really mature into a championship level. So I want to see him when he is that much further down the road. I hope that now, now as we, as we continue to get into the, 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 uh, later the future, basically we're getting into the future, uh, medicine and everything is going to help these big men specifically because that's that's what where the freaks really come from is these crazy big men that you get in the NBA let them have a long career you know what i mean like what what would it have looked like if a yao ming was able to do a a an entire you know 15 year 20 year career or something like that and stayed healthy what would he have looked like or you know some of these other bigs or guys that we've seen Ruined due to injuries. That's the kind of thing that I want to see. So out of Victor Wembanyama, I love his style. I love that he's already progressing so much within the first season and getting so much better. You saw it from what you watched in this game compared to earlier in the year, what he's able to do, the new things, uh, how comfortable he's looking at the NBA level. I just want him to stay healthy now. I, I want to see it. I want to see a guy like that have a long career and show us what he can develop into. 
Now, obviously, there are players out there that that are freaks that are able to have their long careers. You're seeing the guys like uh, the Giannis Antetokounmpo's and the Kevin Durant's of the world that, yes, they look you know long and tall and crazy looking, and, and maybe in the past they would have been the type that would get those crazy injuries, but they seem to be now having a much longer career, able to come back from these major injuries if they do get them. I just hope it keeps going in that direction. I don't want to see players' careers ended, ruined by injuries and things like that. So I just want to see this kid develop. I want to see what he can be. I know it won't be for the Celtics, but what can this? What is the 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 top of the talent level? What is the ceiling for this kid? I want to know. I want to see it. So uh, that was my little uh, uh, basketball rant. Obviously, Celtics. Hope that they're going to do good. They got another game tonight. We'll see how things go. But I just want to see the the young talent, especially the bigs, the, the freaks. The And I, I say that in the nicest way possible, by the way, when I call them freaks. But they're freak athletes who are seven foot six and gigantic with eight foot nine wingspans and crazy dimensions. All of this. I want to see them have long careers and what they can do for long periods of time. That's what I hope for. All right. Let's take another break before we wrap up the show we got one more discussion topic we're going to get into some Bruins thoughts when we come back after this on 90.7 WKKL The Clap Trap with your host Zach Clap Makar bangs it off the boards James Van Riemsdyk waits for DeBrusque to clear Saka back to Watherspoon tipped by Jake DeBrusque it's 3-0 Big win for the Bruins last night against a great team in the Colorado Avalanche. Excited to see uh, this this Bruins team beating some of the top-tier talented squads out there around the league. And, uh, you know, I'm still confused as to what this team is going to be once they make uh, the playoffs, which it seems like they're going to be once again, 27, eight and nine on the year. They're back to being a great team over the last 12 games. I believe they're eight, one and three or something along those lines. Uh, you know, so very happy with their production recently, obviously beating the, the avalanche, they beat the devils the other night, you beat, uh, you know, the, the blues, and then they were just getting to overtime shootouts, all that. So they've been good so far. They have been on point, and uh, I, I played that that clip of that goal for Jake DeBrus because I, I do have one real topic to get into with the Bruins, but I have to once again rant about one of the weirdest things, the worst rule that I think has been implemented into the game of hockey, uh, you know, in the last, what, 10, 15 years, whatever it's been, the... Go back and look and see if it was an offside. The challenges that you can get into about possible goals and things like that, taking a goal away or leaving it, I, I just think it makes no sense to me. And again, I, I've always been the type of guy that's I don't want them to keep getting more and more and more instant replay, slowing it down to the millisecond and all that kind of stuff. But on that goal specifically, the J Jake DeBrus tip-in goal, it, it was gone over, I think, multiple times. Obviously, it was challenged, and, and they saw, and you saw the replay and everything like that. 
Pavel Zaka entering the zone, getting the pass, receiving the pass at the blue line. Both of his skates clearly into the offensive zone, but holding his stick back and tapping the puck forward to himself, considering that possession, not only do I think that that, that should have been called a no-goal by the letter of the law that they have right now where you take that away, I think that should have been an offsides. I would have been pissed if it was flipped the other way. You can tell me that that was a possession play, but, I, I mean, I would have been freaking out if it was going against the Bruins. So, I have to say consistent on that one. I don't like the call. It worked out in the Bruins' favor this time. But if that had happened to the Bruins in the playoffs, and that was the reason that you end up losing a game. Now, it wasn't the reason that they lost in this one, though technically it was the game-winning goal. Uh, but they were the Bruins were able to score five goals in this one. So, at the end of the day, does it really matter? I don't think so. But, you know, it's 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 just such a crazy rule to me that they're going to go back and slow it down to the millisecond. And then they still, in my mind, got that call wrong. I, I, I mean, if you go back and look at it, and for anyone who wasn't able to watch the game or see what I'm talking about, go back and look at the replay of the Jake DeBrus goal and let them slow down Pavel Zaka's entrance into the zone. And you tell me if you really think that that was an onsides play. Because great effort, great effort by Zaka. And I love that he was able to get away with it, I guess. But to me, that shouldn't be that shouldn't be on sides. He was clearly in the zone. His skates were inside the zone. His whole body was inside the zone. He was just dragging his stick behind him and and got possession through you know the the puck hitting his stick at the right exact moment. I I don't know. I, I just don't think that that should be considered a possession. Again, maybe my hockey hardos out there that listen, maybe you're gonna freak out about this and say that I know nothing about the rules, but. To me, it just seemed like it wasn't an onside play, and then the play goes on, goal is scored. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I'm I would much rather the play be just called on the ice by the referees in real time, and you don't have these replays. I I can't make that clear enough. But also, if you're gonna do it. If you're going to do it this way and go back and replay it the way that you do, at least get the call right, and I don't think that they did. Now, it worked out for the Bruins this time. It could go against them in the future. I'm going to hate it either way. That's just how it is. Got to be consistent about these things, but man, uh, I, I don't know. It, it was it was a crazy situation there, and I'm surprised that it was called in the Bruins' favor, but it worked out. It worked out for us. It worked out for them. It worked out for me specifically because I had a bet in that, that DeBrusque was going to have more than a half a point in this game, so... Bravo to me. Nobody cares, but bravo. I, I, I was I was a fan from that standpoint, but otherwise, I just don't I think it's wrong. I think it's wrong and I hate that rule. And I'm gonna continue hating that rule and rant about it every time I see it. But the real thing that I wanted to talk about with the Bruins, uh, to wrap up the show here, is the fact that we've had Jeremy Swayman now playing as the de facto only starter for this team for now what, five, six games in a row or something since Lena Solmark got hurt back on January 9th. Uh, De, uh, Swayman has been the only goaltender that they've been using going forward. So he's been in, uh, what, six consecutive games, four consecutive starts. You know, he, he has been the guy, and he's been proving that he can be the guy and be legit going forward. Now, it just brings up the question once again, do you want to be a team that has two goaltenders that starts all the time 
going back and forth, a, a legitimate split rotation between two high-level goaltenders, which I still do think that Linus Olmark is considered or should be considered a high-level goaltender. But do you want to continue that system, or do you want to go to a single goalie system? Because we've seen how it works uh, and, and what the coach ends up doing in the playoffs is they just stick with one goaltender because that makes the most sense. But if you're going to do that anyways, shouldn't you be doing it through the majority of the regular season? Yes, of course you want to be able to give your starter a break sometimes, but if you're going to go every other the way that they have been, and if if you were able to stick to your guns and do it in the playoffs, I would be interested to see how that works out. But I have not seen a single coach do that in the playoffs and, and, you know, whether it's Cassidy, whether it's Montgomery, whoever, you're not going to be able to do the go back and forth because you're going to want to stay with the hot goaltender when you get in the playoffs and it's do or die every single night. So why don't we just do it? Why don't we just rip the Band-Aid off? Let's go for it. Maybe even, I mean, I don't want to do this, but maybe even trade Linus Olmark at this point and try and recoup some value for him and then just give the keys to the car to Jeremy Swayman. Why don't we just do that? Why don't we do that at this point? He was a fan vote for the the All-Star game. He's a top-tier goaltender in the league. He's young enough to take on that type of a load. Why don't we start doing it now? Why not, Jim Montgomery? I don't understand why we're going to go back. If you end up going back to a Linus Allmark every other situation, you either got to stick with one or the other. You got to either fully go into Jeremy Swayman is our starting goaltender of the future, and he is the guy right now, and we're going to put all our eggs in that basket. Or when it comes to playoff time, you go every other and you see if it can work because no one's done it as far as I know. No one's ever done that that style in the playoffs of the two goaltenders, so either try that fully or let's just go with Swayman which I'm starting to think you just go with Swayman at this point because no one's ever going to be able to stick to every other goaltender. So uh, I, I, that's where we're at right now. We'll see how things go. We got a game against the Canadians tomorrow night. That rivalry isn't what it used to be. But anyways, we got another game for them, and we'll see how the, the Bruins go the rest of the way. If they're going to go start jumping back and forth to Linus and to Jeremy Swayman, I don't know. But I hope that they stop it. I hope that they just give, it to, give the keys of the car to Jeremy Swayman. Or I guess if you're going to do it the other way, then do it all the way into the playoffs. I want to see it in the playoffs then. All right, that's going to do it for this week's show. Just want to say thank you to everyone tuning in. We'll be back again next week. This will be up as a podcast. Anywhere podcasts are found, just search The Claptrap. You'll be able to find us and see what's going on with the show if you missed any of it. Thank you to everyone for tuning in again. I appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great weekend. We'll see you later. Keep it right here on 90.7 WKKO for more of the Caves Classic Alternative.